I think there's a lot of things that we do that we just kind of do them. We don't really think about it. Okay, and sometimes there's things that we do that we don't remember having done them because we've just done it and done it and done it and we don't think about it. Like locking the door when we leave. Okay, probably most of us just do it and, you know, at least me, you know, I can be driving away and, you know, did I lock the door or didn't I lock the door? I'm really not sure. With me, it's more putting down the garage door. I pull out of the garage and stop, push the remote so the door will start to close, and putting my seatbelt on and getting my sunglasses on or whatever else when I'm waiting, and then making sure the garage door is down. Because a lot of times I've driven away and thought, did I put the garage door down? I don't really remember. You know, and I think, you know, getting dressed, you know, I've been kind of watching myself. And for whatever reason, I seem to put on my left sock and shoe before I do my right one. No reason. You know, that's just the way it is. And I know, maybe I'm just weird, but I know I can drive let's say to Walmart or to church or wherever. And I don't really remember, you know, when I get to point B, I don't remember all of the journey in between. So, you know, and typing, okay? I know I've talked before about, about how I failed typing, if you can imagine that, uh, but I did. Um, but it's been the most useful class that I took, other than, you know, basic arithmetic and English, um, because I've used it in the Army. I used it when I was a corrections officer. I've used it and used it and used it as a pastor, but I don't think about it. You know, if I'm going to write the word uh, something, I don't think, okay, there's S's over here, and now the M, that's up there, and the, and the M, now that's, that's down there. You know, I just type it, you know, and technology has, has taught us to, to do some things differently, and that may be better or maybe not. Now, I used to have several phone numbers memorized. I don't have anybody's phone number other than mine and my wife's memorized. My kids, forget it. You know, you just push their name on your phone and you call them. Uh, we used to find our way around by using a map or asking directions, and now, you know, we use a GPS. You know, our minds are really complex things, but it tells us we only use 25% of our brain. Some days I think I'm only using about 10% of mine because there's stuff in there that I will never use and stuff that I can never seem to find when I want to. You know, the saying is, you know, my mind is a steel trap. You know, stuff goes in there and it stays, you know, but unfortunately that trap is kind of rusty and it's hard to get some stuff out. So I know I need to do some house cleaning and fill it with less of 
the, the trivial stuff that doesn't mean anything and fill it with a whole lot more of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for the ways that you made us. Lord, we are complex beings in so many different ways. And the, the thing that is the most important is we've been made in your image. And so we are a lot like you in a lot of different ways. And we're a whole lot different than you in, in a lot of ways, too. So, Father, as we look at your word today, Lord, let us see some of the similarities. Lord, let us see some of the differences that are great between you and us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one thing that I definitely am not is graceful. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. I saw this on Facebook, and it reminded me of me. It says, it takes real skill to choke on air, fall upstairs, and trip over nothing. I have those skills, and that's kind of like me. You know, I remember back 50-some years ago to the, the high school dances. A lot of Saturday nights, uh, if we had a home basketball game, a lot of times they'd have a, a dance Friday night after the game was over. Uh, and I, I never tried to dance, okay? I, I, well, I take that back. Uh, when the twist first came out, I, I tried it. And um, everybody got a good laugh out of that. Uh, except me, and I never did again. Now, my one daughter, she started taking dance lessons when she was about three and took them through high school and beyond. She was graceful. Uh, she didn't get that from me. Uh, you know, I watch the Olympics, and I see the, the gymnasts and the, the synchronized swimmers and just the, the grace that they have. But... When I lack in being graceful, I excel in other areas. Uh, I haven't found a lot of those other areas here at 72, but maybe I still will uh, trip over some someplace. <clears throat> but thank goodness we're not called to be graceful. <laughs> but we are called to be graceful. Uh, two words there in the, the second L. So let's get a... a Dictionary definition of the word grace. Okay, it says it's a simple elegance or refinement of movement. She moved through the water with effortless grace. Not me. Uh, courteous goodwill. <clears throat> Excuse me. At least he has the grace to admit his debt to her. Now, in a, it says in a Christian belief, the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Or one that we're familiar with, too, is the period officially allowed for payments of a sum due. You know, on your car loan or whatever, they usually give you 10 days, and it's not late. But the grace that we'll be talking about is number three. All right? So how do we get full of this grace? Well, we need to find the scripture talking about this. And so let's start out in the book of John, chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 14. And I'm going to be using the NIV, I think, for everything. Uh, so th this is part of John's description of Jesus. He says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. Now, John is test, John testified concerning him, okay, meaning John the Baptist. John cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have received grace in place of grace already given. All right, so what does that mean? All right, well, first of all, when John says that Jesus was full of grace and truth, okay, the Greek there is charis, which means a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. Hmm. Okay, yeah, we'd have to say that Jesus possessed grace and that he definitely was and is graceful. Now in verse 16, John said that we have received grace in place of grace already given. Now, that can be kind of confusing, so you need to read the next verse because he explains it a little bit in verse 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you could receive grace through the law before, but now with Jesus Christ, that's where you receive your grace. So is it, but is it saying that there was no grace before Jesus? Well, whenever we find it referred to in the Old Testament, it's in connection with God, obviously. So the kind of grace we're talking about is connected to God because grace was given to the Israelites through the law, which came from God. And because we're under the new covenant, we receive our grace through salvation. Got that? Yeah, it's a little fuzzy to me too, okay? Well, let's move on and see some ways that we find grace in the New Testament and maybe it will clear things up or make it a little foggier. So in Acts chapter 4, we find the believers living life as God intended. Okay, they were helping each other, they were sharing, they were meeting the needs that each other had. Uh, in 4, 33 and 34, it says, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were excuse me God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that no needy persons were among them the believers were showing grace because they had received grace isn't that how it's supposed to work okay that's always been my understanding so it sounds to me like those apostles in the early church, they were graceful. And because of that, they had no problem passing that grace onto others. And did you notice that their sharing was not only of physical things? Because it said they continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They knew where their grace was rooted. Now, in Acts 14, we find Paul and Barnabas in Iconium. 
verse 3. It says, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Okay, because of their faithfulness, okay, the Lord approved of that, obviously, and gave them power. Okay, because they were there for the Lord. They were there doing what the Lord needed them, wanted them to be doing. Okay, moving on to the next chapter, Acts 15, that puts us now in Jerusalem. Okay, so there was a debate about whose salvation was for. Okay, some claim that salvation was only for the Jews. You know, that was it. Jesus was a Jew. Jesus died for the Jews and salvation was only for the Jews. So verse 1, it says, Unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, Peter responded to this in verses 10 and 11. He says, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we were saved, just as they are. Salvation through grace, the only way, and it's grace and grace alone. Well, <clears throat> moving on to the book of Romans, Paul starts out his letter in the usual way, letting them know who he is. And then he says this in verses 5 and 6. Through him, meaning Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from their faith in his namesake. And so you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Okay, since Paul was writing to mostly Gentiles, it was important that they knew that they were included because, you know, they were hearing from others that, no, you know, you got to be a Jew first before you can, you know, become a Christian, before you can believe, before you can receive salvation. So the letter was not going to be only to the Jews that had accepted Jesus, but to all the believers. Romans 5 Paul is explaining how we got into this graceless mess to begin with. Adam, okay, and his dear Eve. Verse 14, Romans 5. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of of the one to come. Now, Adam, he he was the bad guy. Okay, so now we get to the rest of the story from Paul. Because he says in verse 15, But the gift is not like the trespass, for the many died by the trespass of one man. How much more did God's grace and gift from, excuse me, God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many. In other words, Adam gave a sin, 
And Jesus took it away through his death and resurrection, giving us grace. So I want to look at a few of Paul's other letters to the churches. Because there's there's one common thread that ties everything together, and that's his greeting. Because he usually starts out kind of like this. Grace and peace to you. You know, I am Paul, a disciple of the Lord, you know, whatever. But in Galatians 2, he starts out that way, and he's discussing how some were not eager to accept him. Okay, And I guess that's kind of understandable, you know, considering his history, you know, who he was before he came to the Lord. So in verse 9, it says, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. Okay, the grace we receive can be seen in us by others. Okay, because it says that it was recognized by others. In other words, you know, what that means is others were aware of their grace, that they understood, they perceived the grace that Paul and Barnabas had. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Do others recognize the grace given to me? Hmm. I'd like to hope so. Um, is God's grace evident in my life? Well, we'd all like to be able to say, yeah, sure, uh, boy, of course it is. But maybe it is sometimes and maybe not so much in others. Well, I think Paul says something interesting in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He says, In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Riches or abundance. God's not going to run out of grace. Okay, God had all the grace that was needed at that time. God has all the grace that is needed now for us as believers. God's going to have enough grace for however many years down the road. Okay, God's got enough grace for all of us. Well, that is for all who want it. Well, in Paul's second letter to the church of Thessalonica, chapter 2, he's been encouraging the readers to hang on to what they have heard from him and from other believers. Okay, in Second uh, Thessalonica, Chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage our, your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Okay, I need that inspiration. Okay, they needed it then. I need it now because... I get discouraged sometimes, okay? I think we all do at times, okay? When we see that the, the world is flourishing and the world 
you know, just seems to be, you know, everything is going their way and believers are, are being attacked, sometimes physically, okay? There's more and more Christians being martyred now than any other time in world history, uh, but also being attacked in other ways. You know, just watch primetime TV in these situation comedies and how they, they like to make fun of Christians and Christianity and our Lord. Okay, so we're being attacked all the time. And so we need to remember the, the permanence and the power of God's grace. You know, the world may be winning some battles, but I can tell you, God, he's going to win the war. There's no doubt about that. Looking at 2 Timothy, the first chapter, Paul is telling Timothy how he's been treated by some other believers. <coughs> that there's many that have deserted him. They're not holding on to his teachings. In chapter 2, Paul starts out like this in, in verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And sometimes we as individuals, sometimes us as the church, get entangled in civilian affairs. We get concerned about things that, you know, we don't really need to be concerned about, you know, as a church. Maybe as, a, as an individual, you know, personally, we need to be concerned about those, but not as the church. Okay, we need to be trying to please our commanding officer, who is the Lord, okay? Well, Paul knows Timothy's heart, and he knows the love that Timothy has for the Lord. And at the same time, Paul knows that Timothy's still human and can be led astray, especially after some other believers have, you know, pulled away. And so that's why Paul is reminding Timothy of his position in God's army. The Greek for soldier means just that. It means a soldier or a warrior. And a warrior for the Lord is living in the grace of God. So then in the book of Titus, <coughs> Paul explains God's grace in a, in a different way. Okay, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes to Timothy, and, or excuse me, Titus, and says, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. The difference here? Okay, in, in 2 Timothy, Paul is referring to the believers as soldiers. Here, He's talking about us 
being heirs. Now that's special. Okay, there's a lot of soldiers, but to be an heir, I mean, that's really a special designation. Okay, so let me lastly turn to Hebrews. And I'm going to give you a familiar verse. Okay, Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Diane and I, in reading through the Bible, just read through the book, book of Esther. And Haman is trying to wipe out the Israelites, okay? Because he knows that Mordecai is an Israelite and doesn't want to bow down to Haman. And so Mordecai goes to Esther and says, hey, you got to do something about this. You know, you got to go to the king and, you know, get this taken care of. And, and she says, hey, you know, if I go to the king when he hasn't called for me, you know, I could be dead. And Mordecai says, hey, you know, you think you're going to escape this? You know, you're going to be found out that you are one of us and you're going to be wiped out just like the rest of us. And so Esther says, okay, you know, you guys fast and pray for three days and then I'll go in and see the king and see what happens. And so she goes in and, you know, if uh, King Xerxes you know, put out his golden scepter, you know, that meant, hey, you're good, come on in. If he didn't, you know, the guards would say, oh, okay, let's go chop off this one's head. So she goes in and, you know, she's invited to the throne. So we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And the word confidence means really so much more so we can approach the throne of grace openly, plainly. We can approach boldly. We can approach assured, knowing that God is going to accept us. So all of this because of the difference between King Xerxes' throne and God's throne. God's throne is a throne of grace. I wanted to close with a song, Old Hymn of the Church, been around for well over a hundred years. Grace greater than our sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. The refrain goes like this. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away. Look, there's a flowing, a crimson tide, brighter than snow you may be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace 
freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Hallelujah. You know, that's the God that we have. He is so much greater than all of the sin that we have in our lives. No matter what it might be, God is bigger. God is stronger. God is greater. So the answer to the question, how do we get to be graceful? Well, we're filled with God's grace at the moment that we give our lives to him. And then living our lives for him continues to keep us graceful. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for who you are. You are an amazing, powerful God that loves us beyond comprehension. We just cannot imagine the love that you have for us, that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins when he had no sin of his own. But he became that perfect sacrifice. So just one time that sacrifice had to be made. And it could only be made by Jesus, by no human, by no angel, by no person of any kind. You know, no king, no prophet. It had to be Jesus. And so, Father, we give you thanks for sending your son, for allowing your son to come to earth and to take up our sin and have it nailed to that cross with him. Father, I just praise you that you love us beyond anything that any one of us can imagine. And if you don't know that love, if you've not made that commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ, let today be the day that you pray kind of like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. The only Savior there is, is your Son, Jesus. Thank you that he died for my sin, and he rose from the dead to give me new life. Lord, help me to live in that grace that you've given me, that I will be graceful. In Jesus' name, amen.